The worshippers of demigods sometimes mention that the gopis worship God, goddess Durga, but we must understand the purpose of the gopis. Generally, people worship goddess Durga for some material benediction. Here the gopis pray to the goddess to become wives of Lord Krishna. The purport is that if Krishna is the center of activity, a devotee can adopt any means to achieve that goal. The gopis could adopt any means to satisfy or serve Krishna. That was the super-excellent characteristic of the gopis. They worshipped goddess Durga completely for one month in order to have Krishna as their husband. Every day they prayed for Krishna, the son of Nanda Maharaj, become their husband. Early in the morning, the gopis used to go to the bank of the Jamuna to take a bath. They would assemble together and, holding one another's hands, loudly sing of the wonderful pastimes of Krishna. It is an old system among Indian girls and women that when they take a bath in the river, they place their garments on the bank and dip into the water completely naked. The portion of the river where the girls and women bathe was strictly prohibited to any male, and this is still the system. The Supreme Personality God, in knowing the minds of the unmarried young gopis, blessed them with their desired objective. <clears throat> they had prayed for Krishna to become their husband, and Krishna wanted to fulfill their desires. At the end of the month, Krishna, along with his friends, appeared on the scene, under the name of Krishna as Yogeshwara, or master of all mystic powers. By practicing meditation, the yogi can study the psychic movement of other men, and certainly Krishna could understand the desire of the gopis. Appearing on the scene, Krishna immediately collected all the garments of the gopis, climbed up into a nearby tree, and with a smiling face began to speak to them. My dear girls, he said, please come here one after another and pray for your garments, and then take them away. I'm not joking with you. I'm just telling the truth. I have no desire to play any joke with you, for you are tired from observing the regulated principles for one month by worshiping goddess Katyayani. Please do not come here all at once. Come alone. I want to see each of you in your complete beauty, for you all have thin waists. I have requested you to come alone. Now please comply. When the girls in the water heard such joking words from Krishna, they began to look at one another and smile. They were very joyous to hear such a request from Krishna because they were already in love with him. Out of shyness, they looked at one another, but they could not come out of the water because they were naked. Due to remaining in the water for a long time, they felt cold and were shivering. Yet upon hearing the pleasing, joking words of Govinda, their minds were perturbed with great joy. They told Krishna, Dear son of Nanda Maharaj, Please do not joke with us in that way. It is completely unjust to us. You are a very respectable boy because you are the son of Nanda Maharaj. And you are very dear to us, but you should not play this joke on us. Because now we are all shivering from the cold water. Kindly deliver our garments immediately. Otherwise we shall suffer. They then began to appeal to Krishna with great submission. Dear Shamasundra, they said, we are all your eternal servitors. Whatever you order us to do, we are obliged to perform without hesitation because we consider it our religious duty. But if you insist on putting this proposal to us, which is impossible to perform, then certainly we will have to go to Nanda Maharaj and lodge a complaint against you. If Nanda Maharaj does not take action, 
then we shall tell King Kamsa about your misbehavior. Upon hearing this appeal by the unmarried gopis, Krishna answered, My dear girls, if you think you are my eternal servitors and you are always ready to execute my order, then my request is that, with your smiling faces, you please come here alone, one after another, and take away your garments. If you do not come here, however, and if you lodge complaints with my father, I shall not care anyway, for I know my father is old and cannot take any action against me. When the gopis saw that Krishna was strong and determined, they had no alternative but to abide by his order. One after another, they came out of the water, but because they were completely naked, they tried to cover their nakedness by placing their left hand over their pubic area. In that posture, they were all shivering. Their simple presentation was so pure that Lord Krishna immediately became pleased with them. All the unmarried gopis who prayed to Katyayani to have Krishna as their husband were thus satisfied. A woman cannot be naked before any male except her husband. The unmarried gopis desired Krishna as their husband, and he fulfilled their desire in this way. Being pleased with them, he took their garments on his shoulder and began to speak as follows. My dear girls, you have committed a great offense by going naked in the river Jamuna. Because of this, the predominating deity of the Jamuna, Varunadev, has become displeased with you. Please, therefore, just touch your foreheads with folded palms and bow down before the demigod Varuna in order to be excused from this offensive act. The gopis were all simple souls, and whatever Krishna said, they took to be true. In order to be freed from the wrath of Varunadev, as well as to fulfill the desired end of their vows and ultimately to please their worshipable Lord Krishna, they immediately abided by his order. Thus they became the greatest lovers of Krishna and his most obedient servitors. Nothing can compare with the Krishna consciousness of the gopis. Actually, the gopis did not care for Varuna or any other demigod. They only wanted to satisfy Krishna very ingratiated and satisfied by the simple dealings of the gopis, and he immediately delivered their respective garments, one after another. Although Krishna cheated the young unmarried gopis and made them stand naked before him and enjoyed joking words with them, and although he treated them just like dolls and stole their garments, they were still pleased with him and never lodged complaints against him. This attitude of the gopis is described by Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu when he prays, My dear Lord Krishna, you may embrace me or trample me under your feet, or you may make me brokenhearted by never being present before me. Whatever you do, you can do, because you have complete... Whatever you like, you can do, because you have complete freedom to act. But in spite of all your dealings, you are my Lord eternally, and I have no other worshipable object. This is the attitude of the gopis toward Krishna. Lord Krishna was pleased with them, and since they all desired to have him as their husband, he told them, My dear well-behaved girls, I know of your desire for me, and why you worship goddess Katyayani, and I completely approve of your action. Anyone whose full consciousness is always absorbed in me, even in lust, is elevated. As a fried seed cannot fructify, so any desire in connection with my loving service cannot produce any fruit of result, as in ordinary karma. 
There is a statement in the Brahma Sanghita, Karmani Nirdhati Kintu Chapukti Bhajam. Everyone is bound by his fruit of activities. But the devotees, because they work completely for the satisfaction of the Lord, suffer no reactions. Similarly, the gopi's attitude toward Krishna, although seemingly lusty, should not be considered to be like the lusty desires of ordinary women. The reason is explained by Krishna himself. Activities in devotional service to Krishna are transcendental to any fruit of result. My dear gopis, Krishna continued, your desire to have me as your husband will be fulfilled because it is with this desire that you worship goddess Katyayani. I promise that during the next autumn season you shall be able to meet with me and you shall enjoy me as your husband. Later, Krishna, in the company of his cowherd boyfriends, took shelter of the shade of some trees and became very happy. Thus he addressed the inhabitants of Vrindavan, My dear Stoka Krishna, my dear Varutapa, my dear Bhadrasena, my dear Sridhama, my dear Subala, my dear Arjuna, my dear Vishala, my dear Rishabha, just look at these most fortunate trees of Vrindavan. They have dedicated their lives to the welfare of others. Individually, they are tolerating all kinds of natural disturbances, such as hurricanes, torrents of rain, scorching heat and piercing cold. But they are very careful to relieve our fatigue and give us shelter. <clears throat> My dear friends, I think they are glorified in this birth as trees. They are so careful to give shelter to others that they are like noble, highly elevated, charitable men who never deny charity to one who approaches them. No one is denied shelter by these trees. They supply various kinds of facilities to human society, such as leaves, flowers, fruit, shade, roots, bark, flavor extracts, and fuel. They are the perfect example of noble life. They are like noble, a noble person who has sacrificed everything possible, his body, mind, activities, intelligence, and words, for the welfare of all living entities. Thus the Supreme Personality of God had walked on the bank of the Jamuna, touching the leaves of the trees and their fruits, flowers and twigs, and praising their glorious welfare activities. Different people may accept certain welfare activities to be beneficial for human society according to their own views, but the welfare activity that can be rendered to people in general for eternal benefit is the spreading of the Krishna Consciousness Movement. Everyone should be prepared to propagate this movement. As instructed by Lord Chaitanya, one should be humbler than the grass on the ground and more tolerant than the tree. The toleration of the tree is explained by Lord Krishna himself and those who are engaged in the preaching of Krishna Consciousness should learn lessons from the teachings of Lord Krishna and Lord Chaitanya through their direct disciplic succession. While passing through the forest of Vrindavana, on the bank of the Jamuna, Krishna sat down at the beautiful spot, at a beautiful spot, and allowed the cows to drink the cold and transparent water of the Jamuna. Being fatigued, the cowherd boys, Krishna and Balaram, also drank. After seeing the young gopis bathe in the Jamuna, Krishna passed the rest of the morning with the boys. <laughs> Thus ends the Bhaktivedanta purport of the 22nd chapter of Krishna stealing the garments of the unmarried gopi girls. Mm -hmm. <clears throat>
chapter 23. Delivering the wives of the brahmanas who performed sacrifices. <clears throat> the morning passed and the cowherd boys were very hungry because they had not eaten breakfast. They immediately approached Krishna and Balaram and said, Dear Krishna and Balaram, you are both all-powerful. You can kill many, many demons. But today we are very much afflicted with hunger. And this is disturbing us. Please arrange for something that will mitigate our hunger. Requested in this way by their friends, Lord Krishna and Balarama arranged to show compassion to certain wives of brahmanas who were performing sacrifices. These wives were great devotees of the Lord, and Krishna took this opportunity to bless them. He said, My dear friends, please go to the house of the brahmanas nearby. They are now engaging in performing the Vedic sacrifice known as Angirasa, for they desire elevation to the heavenly planets. All of you, please go to them. Then Lord Krishna warned his friends, These brahmanas are not Vaishnavas. They cannot even chant our names, Krishna and Balarama. They are very much, they are very busy in chanting the Vedic hymns, although the purpose of Vedic knowledge <clears throat> is to find me. But because they are not attracted by the names of Krishna and Balarama, you had better not ask them for anything in my name. Better to ask, better ask for some charity in the name of Balaram. Charity is generally given to high-class brahmanas, but Krishna and Balaram did not appear in any brahmana family. Balarama was known as the son of Vasudeva, a chatriya, and Krishna was known in Vrindavan as the son of Nanda Maharaj, who was a Vaishya. Neither belonged to the brahmana community. Therefore, Krishna considered that the brahmanas engaged in performing sacrifices might not be induced to give charity to a Chatriya and Vaishya. But at least if you utter the name of Balarama, they may prefer to give in charity to a Chatriya rather than to me, because I am only a Vaishya. <clears throat> Being thus ordered by the Supreme Personality of Godhead, all the boys went to the brahmanas and began to ask for some charity. They approached them with folded hands and fell down on the ground to offer respect. O oh, earthly gods, kindly hear us. We who are, who are ordered by Lord Krishna and Balarama, we, we, we hope you know both of them very well and we wish you all good fortune. Krishna and Balarama are tending cows nearby and we have accompanied them. We have come to ask some food from you. You are all brahmanas and knowers of religious principles. And if you think that you should give us charity, then give us some food, and we shall all eat along with Krishna and Balaram. You are the most respectable brahmanas within human, the human society, and you are expected to know all the principles of religious procedure. Although the boys were village boys and were not expected to be learned in all the Vedic principles of religious ritual, they hinted 
that because of their association with Krishna and Balaram, they knew all those principles. By addressing the Brahmanas as knowers of all religious principles, the boys expressed the point of view that when the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Krishna and Balaram, were asking for food, the Brahmanas should immediately deliver some without hesitation. Because, as stated in the Bhagavad Gita, one should perform yajna, sacrifices, only for the satisfaction of Vishnu. The boys continued, Lord Vishnu, as Krishna and Balaram, is standing waiting, and you should immediately deliver whatever food you have in your stock. They also explained to the Brahmanas when food is to be accepted and when it is not to be accepted. Generally, the Vaishnavas, or pure devotees of the Lord, do not take part in ordinary sacrificial performances, but they know very well the ceremonials called Diksha, Pashusangsta, and Sautramani. One is permitted to take food after the procedure of Diksha and before the animal sacrificial ceremony and the Sautramani, or ceremony in which liquors are also offered. The boy said, we can take your food at the present stage of your ceremony, for now it will not be prohibited. So you can deliver us the food. Although the companions of Lord Krishna and Balaram were simple cowherd boys, they were in a position to dictate even to the high-class brahmanas engaged in the Vedic rituals of sacrifice. But the smart brahmanas, who were simply sacrificial-minded, could not understand the dictation of the transcendental devotees of the Lord. They could not even appreciate the begging of the Supreme Lord, Krishna and Balarama. Although they had heard all the arguments on behalf of Krishna and Balarama, they did not care for them and they refused to speak to the boys. Despite being highly elevated in the knowledge of Vedic sacrificial rites, all such non-devotee brahmanas, although they think of themselves as very highly elevated, are ignorant, foolish persons. All their activities are childish because they do not know the purpose of the Vedas, as it, as it is explained in the Bhagavad Gita. To understand Krishna, in spite of their advancement in Vedic knowledge and rituals, they do not understand Krishna. Therefore, their knowledge of the Vedas is useless. Lord Chaitanya therefore gave his valuable opinion that although a person may not be born in a Brahmana family, if he knows this Krishna or the science of Krishna consciousness, he is more than a Brahmana. And he is quite fit to become a spiritual master. There are various details to be observed in the performance of sacrifices. They are known as desha, place, kala, time, pritagdravya, the different detail paraphernalia, mantra, hymns, tantra, scriptural evidences, agni, fire, ritvik, learned performers of sacrifices, devata, the demigods, yajamana, the performer of the sacrifices, kratu, the sacrifice itself, and dharma, the procedures. All these are for satisfying Krishna. It is confirmed in the Bhagavad Gita 
that he is the actual enjoyer of all sacrifices because he is directly the Supreme Personality of Godhead and the Supreme Absolute Truth beyond the conception or speculation of the material senses. He is present just like an ordinary human boy but for persons who identify themselves with the body it is very difficult to understand him. The Brahmanas were very much interested in the comforts of the material body and in elevation to the higher planetary residences called Swargavasa. They were therefore completely unable to understand the position of Krishna. When the boys saw that the Brahmanas would not reply to them even with a simple yes or no, they became very much disappointed. Then they then returned to Krishna and Balaram and explained everything that had happened. After hearing their statements, the Supreme Personality of Godhead smiled. He told them that they should not be sorry for being refused by the Brahmanas because that is the way of begging. He convinced them that one who was engaged in collecting or begging should not think that he will be successful everywhere. He may be unsuccessful in some places, <clears throat> but that should not be cause for disappointment. Lord Krishna then asked all the boys to go again, but this time to the wives of those brahmanas engaged in sacrifices. He also informed them that these wives were great devotees. They are always absorbed in thinking of us. Go there and ask for some food in my name and the name of Balaram, and I am sure that they will deliver you as much food as you desire. Carrying out Krishna's order, the, Lord, the boys immediately went to the wives of the brahmanas. They found the wives sitting inside the brahmanas' house. They were very beautifully decorated with ornaments. After offering them all respectful obeisances, the boys said, Dear mothers, please accept our humble obeisances and hear our statement. May we inform you that Lord Krishna and Balaram are nearby. They have come here with the cows and you may know also that we have come here under their instructions. All of us are very hungry. Therefore, we have come to you for some food. Please give us something to eat for Krishna, Balarama and ourselves. Immediately upon hearing this, the wives of the Brahmanas became anxious for Krishna and Balaram. These reactions were spontaneous. They did not have to be convinced of the importance of Krishna and Balaram. Immediately upon hearing their names, they became very eager to see him, to see them. Being advanced by thinking of Krishna constantly, they were performing the greatest form of mystic meditation. All the wives then became very busily engaged in filling up different pots with nice food. Due to the performance of the sacrifice, the various foods were all very palatable. After collecting a feast, they prepared to go to Krishna, their most beloved object, exactly in the way rivers flow to the sea. For a long time, the wives had been eager to see Krishna. However, 
When they were preparing to leave home to go see him, their husbands, fathers, sons, and relatives asked them not to go, but the wives did not comply. When a devotee is called by the attraction of Krishna, he does not care for bodily ties. The women entered the forest of Vrindavana on the bank of the Jamuna, which was verdant with vegetation and newly grown vines and flowers. Within that forest, they saw Krishna and Balaram engaged in tending the cows along with their very affectionate boyfriends. <clears throat> the Brahmana's wives saw Krishna with a blackish complexion, wearing a garment that glittered like gold. He wore a nice garland of forest flowers and a peacock feather on his head. He was also painted with the minerals found in Vrindavan, and he looked exactly like a dancing actor on a theatrical stage. They saw him resting one hand on the shoulder of his friend, and in the other hand he was holding a lotus flower. His ears were decorated with lilies, he wore marks of tilak, and he was smiling charmingly. With their very eyes, the wives of the Brahmanas saw the Supreme Personality of Godhead, of whom they had heard so much, who was so dear to them, and in whom their minds were always absorbed. Now they saw him eye to eye and face to face, and Krishna entered within their hearts through their eyes. Within themselves, they began to embrace Krishna to their heart's content, and the distress of separation was mitigated immediately. They were just like great sages who, by the advancement of knowledge, merge into the existence of the Supreme. As a supersoul living in everyone's heart, Krishna could understand their minds. They had come to him despite all the protests of their relatives, fathers, husbands, and brothers, and despite all the duties of household affairs. They came just to see him, who is their life and soul. They were exactly following Krishna's instruction in the Bhagavad Gita. One should surrender to him, giving up all varieties of occupational and religious duties. He therefore began to speak to them smiling very magnificently. It should be noted in this connection that when Krishna entered into the wives' hearts and when they embraced him and felt the transcendental bliss of being merged with him, the Supreme Lord did not lose his identity, nor did the individual wives lose theirs. The individuality of both the Lord and the wives remained, yet they felt oneness in existence. When a lover submits to his lover without any pinch of personal consideration, that is called oneness. Lord Chaitanya has taught us this feeling of oneness in his Shikshashtaka. Krishna may act freely, doing whatever he likes, but the devotee should always be in oneness or in agreement with his desires. That oneness was exhibited by the wives of the Brahmanas in their love for Krishna. Krishna welcomed them with the following words, My dear wives of the Brahmanas, you are all very fortunate and welcome here. Please, let me know what I can do for you. You're coming here to see me, neglecting all the restrictions and hindrances of relatives, fathers, brothers, and husbands is completely befitting. One who does this actually knows his self-interest, because rendering transcendental loving service unto me without motive or restriction is actually auspicious for the living entities. Lord Krishna here confirms that the conditioned soul 
can reach the highest perfectional stage by surrendering to Him. One must give up all other responsibilities. This complete surrender unto the Supreme Personality of Godhead is the most auspicious path for the conditioned soul because the Supreme Lord is the supreme object of love. Everyone is loving his self according to the advancement of his knowledge. Ultimately, when a person comes to understand that his self is the spirit soul and that the spirit soul is nothing but a part and parcel of the Supreme Lord, he recognizes the Supreme Lord as the ultimate goal of love and then surrenders unto him. This surrender is considered auspicious for the conditioned soul. Our life, property, home, wife, children, house, country, society, and all paraphernalia, which are very dear to us, are expansions of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. He is the central object of love because he gives us all bliss, expanding himself in so many ways according to our different situations, namely bodily, mental, or spiritual. My dear wives of the Brahmanas, Krishna said, you can now return to your homes. Engage yourselves in sacrificial activities and in the service of your husbands and household affairs so that your husbands will be pleased with you and the sacrifice which they have begun will be properly executed. After all, your husbands are householders and without your help, how can they execute their prescribed duties? The wives of the Brahmanas replied, Dear Lord, this sort of instruction does not befit you. Your eternal promise is that you will always protect your devotees, and now you must fulfill this promise. Anyone who comes and surrenders unto you never goes back to the conditioned life of material existence. We expect that you will now fulfill your promise. We have surrendered unto your lotus feet, which are covered by tulsi leaves. So we have no desire to give up the shelter of your lotus feet and return to the company of our so-called relatives, friends, and society. And what shall we do if we return home? Our husbands, brothers, fathers, sons, mothers, and friends will no longer accept us at home because we have already left them all. Therefore, we have no shelter to return to. Please, therefore, do not ask us to return home but arrange for our stay under your lotus feet so that we can eternally live under your protection. The Supreme Personality of God had replied, My dear wives of the Brahmanas, rest assured that your husbands will not neglect you on your return, nor will your brothers, sons, or fathers refuse to accept you. Because you are my pure devotees, not only your relatives, but also people in general, as well as the demigods, will be satisfied with you. Krishna is situated as the Supersoul in everyone's heart. So someone who becomes a pure devotee of Lord Krishna immediately becomes pleasing to everyone. The pure devotee of Lord Krishna is never inimical to anyone, nor can any sane person be an enemy of a pure devotee. Transcendental love for me does not depend upon bodily connection. Krishna said further, but anyone whose mind is always absorbed in me, will surely very soon come to me for my eternal association. After being instructed by the Supreme Personality of Godhead, all the wives return home with their respective husbands. Pleased to see their wives back home, 
the Brahmanas sat together with them and executed the performances of sacrifices as enjoined in the Shastras. According to Vedic principle, religious rituals must be executed by the husband and wife together. When the Brahmanas' wives returned, the sacrifice was duly and nicely executed. One of the Brahmanas' wives, however, who had been forcibly checked from going to see Krishna, began to remember him as she heard of his bodily features. Being completely absorbed in his thought, she gave up her material body condition by the laws of nature. After the departure of the Brahmanas' wives, Sri Govinda and his cowherd boyfriends enjoyed the food they had offered. In this way, the ever-joyful personality of God had exhibited his transcendental pastimes in the guise of an ordinary human being in order to attract the common people to Krishna consciousness. With his words and beauty, he attracted all the cows, <clears throat> cowherd boys and damsels in Vrindavana. All of them together enjoyed the pastimes of the Lord. After the return of their wives from Krishna, the Brahmanas engaged in the performance of sacrifices began to regret their sinful activities in refusing food to the Supreme Personality of Godhead, they could finally understand their mistake. Engaged in the performance of Vedic rituals, they had neglected the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who had appeared just like an ordinary human being and asked for some food. They began to condemn themselves after seeing <clears throat> the faith and devotion of their wives. They regretted very much that Although their wives were elevated to the position, to the platform of pure devotional service, they themselves could not understand even a little bit of how to love and offer transcendental loving service to the Supreme Soul. They began to talk among themselves, to hell with our being born Brahmanas, to hell with our learning all the Vedic literatures, to hell with our performing great sacrifices and observing all the rules and regulations, to hell with our family. To hell with our expert service and performing the rituals exactly according to the description of the scriptures. <clears throat> to hell with it all, for we have not developed transcendental loving service to the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who is beyond the speculation of the mind, body, and senses. The learned Brahmanas, expert in Vedic ritualistic performances, were properly regretful. Because if one does not develop Krishna consciousness, all discharge of religious duties is simply a waste of time and energy. They continue to talk among themselves. The external energy of Krishna is so strong that it can create illusion to overcome even the greatest mystic yogi. Although we expert brahmanas are considered to be the teachers of all other sections of human society, we also have been illusioned by the external energy. Just see how fortunate these women are. They have so devotedly dedicated their lives to the Supreme Personality of Godhead Krishna that they could easily do what is ordinarily so difficult. They gave up their family connections, which are just like a dark well for the continuation of material miseries. Women in general, being very simple at heart, can very easily take to Krishna consciousness. And when they develop love of Krishna, they can easily get liberation from the clutches of maya, which are very difficult for even so-called intelligent and learned men to surpass. The Brahmanas continued, According to Vedic injunction, women are not allowed to undergo the purificatory process of initiation by the sacred thread, nor are they allowed to live as brahmacharinis, 
in the ashrama of their spiritual master, nor are they advised to undergo the strict disciplinary procedures, nor are they very expert in discussing the philosophy of self-realization, and by nature they are not very pure, nor are they very much attached to auspicious activities. Therefore, how wonderful it is that these women have developed transcendental love for Krishna, the Lord of all mystic yogis. They have surpassed all of us in firm faith and devotion under Krishna. Although we are considered to be masters in all purificatory processes, we did not actually know what their goal is because we are too much attached to the materialistic way of life. Even though we were reminded of Krishna and Balaram by the cowherd boys, we disregarded them. We now think that the Supreme Personality of God has simply played a trick of mercy on us by sending us his friends to beg food from us. Otherwise, he had no need to send them. He could have satisfied their hunger then and there just by willing to do so. If someone denies Krishna's self-sufficiency on hearing that he was tending the cows for his livelihood, or if someone doubts his not being in need of food, thinking that he was actually hungry, then such a person should understand that the goddess of fortune is always engaged in his service. In this way, the goddess can break her faulty habit of restlessness. In Vedic literatures like the Brahma Sanghita, it is stated that Krishna is served in his abode with great respect by not only one goddess of fortune, but by many thousands. Therefore, it is simply illusion for one to think that Krishna begged food from the Brahmanas. It was actually a trick to show them mercy by teaching them that they should accept him in pure devotional service instead of engaging in ritualistic ceremonies. The Vedic ceremonial paraphernalia, the suitable place, the suitable time, the different grades of articles for performing the ritualistic ceremonies, the Vedic hymns, the process of sacrifice, the priest who is able to perform the sacrifice, the fire, the demigods, the performer of the sacrifice, and the religious principles, all are meant for understanding Krishna. For Krishna is the supreme personality of Godhead. He is the Supreme Lord Vishnu and the Lord of all mystic yogis. Because he has appeared as a child in the dynasty of the Yadus, we were so foolish that we could not understand he is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, the Brahmana said. But on the other hand, we are very proud because we have such exalted wives who have developed pure transcendental service to the Lord without being shackled by our rigid opposition. Let us therefore offer our respectful obeisances unto the lotus feet of Lord Krishna, under whose illusory energy, called Maya, we are absorbed in fruitive activities. We therefore pray to the Lord to be kind enough to excuse us because we are simply captivated by his external energy. We transgressed his order without knowing his transcendental glories. You're into it. You know, I, I, I hate to. Hare Krishna. <clears throat> the Brahmanas repented their sinful activities. They wanted to go personally to offer their obeisances unto him. But being afraid of Kangsa, they could not go to Krishna and surrender unto him. In other words, it is very difficult for one to surrender fully under the personality of Godhead without being purified by devotional service. <clears throat> <clears throat> 
The example of the learned brahmanas and their wives is vivid. The wives of the brahmanas, because they were inspired by pure devotional service, did not care for any kind of opposition. They immediately went to Krishna, but the brahmanas, although they had come to know the supremacy of the Lord and were repenting, were still afraid of King Kangsa because they were too much addicted to fruitive activities. Thus ends the Bhaktivedanta purports of the 23rd chapter of Krishna delivering the wives of the brahmanas who performed sacrifices. <laughs> chapter 24 Worshipping Govardhan Hill Hey, hey. <clears throat> While engaged with the brahmanas who were too much involved in the performance of Vedic sacrifices, Krishna and Balarama also saw that the coward men were preparing a similar sacrifice in order to pacify Indra, the king of heaven, who is responsible for supplying water. As stated in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, a devotee of Krishna has strong and firm faith in the understanding that if he is simply engaged in Krishna consciousness and Krishna's transcendental loving service, then he is freed from all other obligations. A pure devotee of Lord Krishna doesn't have, doesn't have to perform any of the ritualistic functions enjoined in the Vedas nor is he required to worship any demigods. Being a devotee of Lord Krishna, one is understood to have performed all kinds of Vedic rituals and all kinds of worship to the demigods. One does not develop devotional service for Krishna by performing the Vedic ritualistic ceremonies or worshiping the demigods, but it should be understood that one who was engaged fully in the service of the Lord, has already fulfilled all Vedic injunctions. In order to stop all such activities by his devotees, Krishna wanted to firmly establish exclusive devotional service during his presence in Vrindavan. Because he is the omniscient personality of Godhead, Krishna knew that the cowherd men were preparing for the Indra sacrifice, but as a matter of etiquette, he began to inquire with great honor and submission from elder personalities like Maharaj Nanda. Krishna asked his father, My dear father, what is this arrangement going on for a great sacrifice? What is the result of such a sacrifice? And for whom is it meant? How is it performed? Will you kindly let me know? I am very eager to know this procedure, so please explain to me the purpose of this sacrifice. Upon this inquiry, his father Nanda Maharaj remained silent, thinking that his young boy would not be able to understand the intricacies of performing the yagya. Krishna, however, persisted, My dear father, for those who are liberal and saintly, there is no secrecy. They do not think anyone to be a friend, an enemy, or a neutral party. 
because they are always open to everyone. And even for those who are not so liberal, nothing should be kept secret from the family members and friends, although secrecy may be maintained for persons who are inimical. Therefore, you cannot keep any secrets from me. All persons are engaged in fruitive activities. Some know what these activities are, and they know the result, and some execute activities without knowing the purpose of the result. A person who acts with full knowledge gets the full result. One who acts without knowledge does not get a, such a perfect result. Therefore, please let me know the purpose of the sacrifice you are going to perform. Is it according to Vedic injunction? Or is it simply a popular ceremony? Kindly let me know in detail about the sacrifice. On hearing this inquiry from Krishna, Maharaj Nanda replied, My dear boy, this ceremonial performance is more or less traditional. Because rainfall is due to the mercy of King Indra, and the clouds are his representatives, and because water is so important for our living, we must show some gratitude to the controller of this rainfall. Maharaj Indra. We are arranging, therefore, to pacify King Indra because he has very kindly sent us clouds to pour down a sufficient quantity of rain for success successful agricultural activities. Water is very important. Without rainfall, we cannot farm or produce grain, and without grain, we cannot live. Therefore, rain is necessary for successful religious ceremonies, economic development, and ultimately liberation. So we should not give up this traditional ceremonial function. If one gives it up, being influenced by lust, greed, or fear, then it does not look very good for us, for him. After hearing this, Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, in the presence of his father, and all the elder cowherd men of Vrindavan spoke in such a way as to make the heavenly king Indra very angry. He suggested that they forego the sacrifice. His reasons for discouraging the sacrifice performed to please Indra were twofold. First, as stated in the Bhagavad Gita, there is no need to worship the demigods for any material advancement. All results derived from worshipping the demigods are simply temporary and only those who are less intelligent are interested in temporary results. Second, whatever temporary result one, de one derives from worshipping the demigods is actually granted by the permission of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. It is clearly stated in the Bhagavad Gita, Mayaiva Vihitan, Hitan. Whatever benefit is supposed to be derived from the demigods is actually bestowed by the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Without the permission of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, one cannot bestow any benefit upon others. But sometimes the demigods become puffed up by the influence of material nature, thinking themselves all in all, 
they forget the supremacy of the supreme of the personality of Godhead. In Srimad Bhagavatam, it is clearly stated that in this instance, Krishna wanted to make King Indra angry. Krishna's advent was especially meant for the annihilation of the demons and protection of the devotees. King Indra was certainly a devotee, not a demon. But because he was puffed up, Krishna wanted to, wanted to teach him a lesson. He first made Indra angry by stopping the Indra Puja, which had been arranged by the cowherd men in Vrindavan. With this purpose in mind, Krishna began to talk as if he were an atheist, supporting the philosophy of karma mimamsa. Advocates of this philosophy do not accept the supreme authority of the personality of Godhead. They put forward the argument that if anyone works nicely, the result is sure to come. Their opinion is that even if there is a God who gives man the result of his fruitive activities, there is no need to worship him because unless man works, he cannot bestow any good result. They say that instead of worshiping a demigod or God, people should give attention to their own duties and thus the good result will surely come. Lord Krishna began to speak to his father according to these principles of the karma mimamsa philosophy. My dear father, he said, I don't think you need to worship any demigod for the successful performance of your agri agricultural activities. Every living being is born according to his past karma and leaves this life simply taking the result of his present karma. Everyone is born of different types of species of life in different types of species of life according to his past activities. And he gets his next birth according to the activities of this life. Different grades of material happiness and distress, comforts and disadvantages of life are different results of different kinds of activities, either from either the past or present life. Maharaj Nanda and the other elder members argued that without satisfying the predominating God, one cannot derive any good result simply by material activities. This is actually the fact. For example, it is sometimes found that in spite of first-class medical help, the treatment by a first-class physician, a diseased person dies. It is concluded, therefore, that first-class medical treatment or the attempts of a first-class physician are not in themselves the cause for curing a patient. There must be the hand of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Similarly, the fathers and mothers taking care of their children is not the cause of the children's comfort. Sometimes it is found that in spite of all care by the parents, the children go bad or succumb to death. Therefore, material causes are not sufficient for results. There must be the sanction of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Nanda Maharaj therefore advocated that in order to get good results for agricultural activities, they must satisfy Indra 
the superintending deity of the rain supply. Lord Krishna nullified this argument, saying that the demigods give results only to persons who have executed their prescribed duties. The demigods cannot give any good results to the person who has not executed the prescribed duties. Therefore, demigods are dependent on the execution of duties and are not absolute in awarding good results to anyone. So why should one care about them? My dear father, Lord Krishna said, there is no need to worship the demigod Indra. Everyone has to achieve the result of his own work. We can actually see that one becomes busy according to the natural tendency of his work. And according to that natural tendency, all living entities, whether human beings or demigods, achieve their respective results. All living entities achieve higher or lower bodies and create enemies, friends, or neutral parties only because of their different kinds of work. One should be careful to discharge duties according to his natural instinct and not divert attention to the worship of various demigods. The demigods will be satisfied by proper execution of all duties, so there is no need to worship them. Let us rather perform our prescribed duties very nicely. Actually, one cannot be happy without executing his proper prescribed duty. One who does not, therefore, properly discharge his prescribed duties is compared to an unchaste wife. The proper, the proper prescribed duty of the brahmanas is to study the Vedas. The proper duty of the royal order, the chatriyas, is engagement in protecting the citizens. The proper duty of the Vaishya community is agriculture, trade, and protection of the cows. And the proper duty of the Shudras is service to the higher classes, namely the Brahmanas, Chatras, and Vaishyas. We belong to the Vaishya community, and our proper duty is to farm, trade, agricult trade agricultural produce, and protect cows, or take to banking. Krishna identified himself with the Vaishya community because Nanda Maharaj was protecting many cows and Krishna was taking care of them. He enumerated four kinds of business engagements for the Vaishya community, namely agriculture, trade, protection of cows, and banking. Although the Vaishyas can take to any of these occupations, the men of Vrindavan were engaged primarily in the protection of cows. Krishna further explained to his father, this cosmic manifestation is going on under the influence of the three modes of material nature, goodness, passion, and ignorance. These three modes are the causes of creation, maintenance, and destruction. The cloud is caused by the action of the mode of passion. Therefore, it is the mode of passion which causes the rainfall. And after the rainfall, the living entities derive the result, success in agricultural work. What then is Indra to do with all this affair? Even if you do not please Indra, what can he do? 
we do not derive any special benefit from Indra. Even if he is there, he pours water in the ocean also, where there is no need of water. So he is pouring water in the ocean or on the land. It does not depend on our worshipping him. As far as we are concerned, we do not need to go to another city or village or foreign country. There are palatial buildings in the cities, but we are satisfied living in this forest, Vrindavan. Our specific relationship is with Govardhan Hill and Vrindavan Forest and nothing more. I therefore request you, my dear father, to begin a sacrifice which will satisfy the local brahmanas and Govardhan Hill. And let us have nothing to do with Indra. After hearing this statement by Krishna, Nanda Maharaj replied, My dear boy, since you are asking, I shall arrange for a separate sacrifice for the local brahmanas and Govardhan Hill. But for the present, let me execute this sacrifice known as Indra Jagya. They're not there yet. But Krishna replied, My dear father, don't delay. The sacrifice you propose for Govardhan and the local brahmanas will take much time. Better take the arrangement and paraphernalia you have already made for the Indra Yagya and immediately engage them to satisfy Govardhan the hill and the local brahmanas. Maharaj Nanda finally relented. The coward boys then inquired from Krishna how he wanted the yagya performed, and Krishna gave them the following directions. Prepare very nice foods of all descriptions from the grain and ghee collected for the yagya. Prepare rice, dal, and halva, pakora, puri, and all kinds of milk preparations such as sweet rice, rubri, sweet balls, sandesh, rasgula, and ladu, and invite the learned brahmanas who can chant the Vedic hymns and offer oblations to the fire. The brahmanas should be given all kinds of grain and charity. Then decorate all the cows and feed them well. After performing this, give money and charity to the brahmanas. As far as the lower animals are concerned, such as the dogs, and the lower grades of people, such as the sandalas, or the fifth class of men, who are considered untouchable, they also may be given sumptuous prasadam. After nice grasses have been given to the cows, the sacrifice known as Govardhana Puja may immediately begin. This sacrifice will very much satisfy me. In this statement, Lord Krishna practically described the whole economy of the Vaishya community. And all communities in human society, including the Brahmanas, Kshatriyas, Vaishyas, Shudras, and Chandalas, etc. And in the animal kingdom, including the cows, dogs, goats, etc. Everyone has his part to play. It is to work in cooperation for the total... Each is to work in cooperation for the total benefit of all society, which includes not only animate objects, but also inanimate objects like hills and land. The Vaishya community is specifically responsible for the economic improvement of the society by producing grain, by giving protection to the cows, by transporting food when needed, and by banking and finance. From this statement, we learn also that although the cats and dogs 
which have now become so important, yeah. are not to be neglected. Cow protection is actually more important than protection of cats and dogs. Another hint we get from this statement is that the chandalas or the untouchables are also not to be neglected by the higher classes and should be given necessary protection. Everyone is important, but some are directly responsible for the advancement of human society and some are only indirectly responsible. However, when Krishna consciousness is there, then everyone's total benefit is taken care of. The sacrifice known as Govardhana Puja is observed in the Krishna consciousness movement. Lord Chaitanya has recommended that since Krishna is worshipable, so his land, Vrindavan and Govardhan Hill, is also worshipable. To confirm this statement, Lord Krishna said that Govardhana Puja is as good as worship of him. From that day, Govardhana Puja has been going on and is known as Anakuta. In all the temples of Vrindavan or outside of Vrindavan, huge quantities of food are prepared in this ceremony and are very sumptuously distributed to the general population. Sometimes the food is thrown to the crowds and they enjoy collecting it off the ground. From this we can understand that prasadam offered to Krishna never becomes polluted or contaminated, even if it is thrown on the ground. The people therefore collect and eat it with great satisfaction. The Supreme Personality of Godhead Krishna thus advised the coward men to stop the Indra Yajna and begin the Govardhan Puja in order to chastise Indra, who is very much puffed up at being the supreme controller of the heavenly planets. The honest and simple coward men, headed by Nanda Maharaj, accepted Krishna's proposal and executed in detail everything he advised. They performed Govardhan worship and circumambulation of the hill. <clears throat> Following the inauguration of Govardhan Puja, people in Vrindavan still dress nicely and assemble near Govardhan Hill to offer worship and circumambulate the hill, leading their cows all around. According to the instruction of Lord Krishna, Nanda Maharaj and the cowherd men called the learned brahmanas and began to worship Govardhan Hill by chanting Vedic hymns and offering prasadam. The inhabitants of Vrindavan assembled together, decorated their cows and gave them grass. Keeping the cows in front, they began to circumambulate Govardhan Hill. The gopis dressed themselves very luxuriantly and sat in bull-driven carts. <clears throat> chanting the glories of Krishna's pastimes. The brahmanas assembled there to act as priests for Govardhan Puja offered their blessings to the cowherd men and their wives, the gopis. When everything was complete, Krishna assumed a great transcendental form and declared to the inhabitants of Vrindavan that he himself was Govardhan Hill in order to convince the devotees that Govardhan Hill and Krishna himself are identical. Then Krishna began to eat all the food offered there. The identity of Krishna and Govardhan Hill is still honored and great devotees take rocks from Govardhan Hill and worship them exactly as they worship the deity of Krishna in the temples. The followers of the Krishna consciousness movement may therefore collect small rocks or pebbles from Govardhan Hill and worship them at home because this worship is as good as deity worship. We'll be right back. <laughs> the form of Krishna, who began to eat the offerings, was separately constituted. 
And Krishna himself, along with the other inhabitants of Vrindavan, offering obeisances to the deity as well as Govardhan Hill. The form of Krishna, who began to eat the offerings, was separately constituted, and Krishna himself, along with the other inhabitants of Vrindavan, offered obeisances to the deity as well as Govardhan Hill. In offering obeisances to the huge form of Krishna and Govardhan Hill, Krishna declared, Just see how Govardhan Hill has assumed this huge form and is favoring us by accepting all the offerings. Krishna also declared at that meeting, One who neglects the worship of Govardhan Puja, as I am personally conducting it, will not be happy. There are many snakes on Govardhan Hill, and persons neglecting the prescribed duty of Govardhan Puja will be bitten by these snakes and killed. In order to assure the good fortune of the cows and themselves, all people of Vrindavan near Govardhan must worship the hill as prescribed by me. Thus performing the Govardhan Puja sacrifice, all the inhabitants of Vrindavan followed the instructions of Krishna, the son of Vasudeva, and afterwards they returned to their respective homes. Thus ends the Bhaktivedanta purport of the 24th chapter of Krishna worshipping Govardhan Hill. Not to the Armarman, 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 not to the Armarman.